This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today is Hans, who has not watched one-fourth of the films we're going to be talking about tonight in William Friedkin's filmography. Yeah, what a surprise that I'm unprepared for one of these anthology <laughs> episodes where I just stare and say not much. Yeah. And we have, uh, for the first time on the show, we have a special guest. We have a filmmaker and a very good filmmaker. I enjoyed your short, uh, The Perfect Wife. That was extremely oh, entertaining well shot too thanks uh, a lot brother i appreciate that we have william girardi but why is your name kyle on here do you have a real name did i just dox so you? my my dog or my parents my, dog, my parents uh <laughs> they get they started calling me by my middle name so first name is william but i go by my middle name it's really annoying okay but that's that yeah most people call me kyle i was thinking about switching to william maybe that's a more astute name i was thinking yeah yeah, I mean, I like when Bill Cosby does that on the Cosby Show, where he's executive producer, Dr. William Cosby Jr. <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> no, no, it holds up. I've been watching the Cosby Show a lot this year. It's very funny. Very oh, I'd love to see that. It's are on you, Amazon. Are you, are you all right? Because two weeks ago, you were going through ER from beginning to end. <laughs> yeah. And now <laughs> you're going through the Cosby Show. I just miss my childhood. That's all it really is. I miss the warmth of NBC, must-see television. Uh, Nice hat. Is that a Scars Club hat I I see? Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't taken it off since Mike's been sick. I've been uh, sleeping and showering. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to just conjure up whatever good energy to pass on. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, Mike Redball. Yeah, actually, no, you know don't what? say that. No, he. You know <laughs> what? He he checked my Instagram story for the first time in like two months, and I know he's like borderline dead. But that was a very hopeful sign. And the same day, Josh Denny followed me on Twitter. It was a lot of Red Bar energy so around me. Damn, it's, uh, it's crazy how stuff like that happens, though. Yeah, very weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so does does Mike follow you on Instagram? Yes, I've, I got covered on his show. I'm one of the very few people, and I want to jinx this for the future, to have been <laughs> positively covered twice on Red Bar because I did oh, a, wow. a documentary, a couple, a documentary, like a YouTube video about what caused Mark Maron's show to decline from relevance in the culture. And then I later did a video <clears throat> on uh, what essentially happened with Spotify and Joe Rogan before it happened, mm. once that deal was announced. And it played out I think out I watched the verbatim. Mark Maron one. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's, yeah. There's, there's quite a few views on it. It's very possible. I don't know who else yeah, is really, was really talking good. about Mark Maron like that, so thank you. Yeah, I don't know really anything about Mark Maron other than, like, like when I was younger, the controversy behind it, but I never really listened to him. Is He's that uh, still going? Yeah, it's still going. I tuned into it recently uh, because I, I've been listening to a lot of John Lurie interviews of uh, the lounge losers. And, and that was on YouTube. I, I listened to that and that was okay. He's a little more, it's harsher on the ears now that his shtick has worn thin. And then I went and checked out a new episode. I was like, who is he even talking to these days? And he had on Tim Reed from sister, sister and it and uh, Tim and Tom and <laughs> w, WKRP in Cincinnati. Uh, <laughs> And that was who is done... he in Sister Sister? He's the dad. Google this. Oh, oh, okay. I gotta Google really quick. So wow, that's oh, very yes. Goes with the goes with the theme of what you've been watching lately. Yeah, kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and he had him over the phone. He did not get invited out to the garage. He didn't want to go, and uh, it was okay, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Tim Reed has been in any William Friedkin films before. Maybe that's something no, that happened. Sadly not. 
before Friedkin passes away. Probably mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, you were, yeah, he's eighty six now. I couldn't believe that. That's, uh, he looks great though. He's got a lot of energy even still. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you uh, he do does, you watch yeah. uh, like William Friedkin talks or interviews. I've seen a few of them. I want to watch his Fritz Lang one from uh, the seventies, but I haven't watched any really recent ones. He did a Fritz Lang one. Oh, uh, yeah. There's oh, a whole oh, right. Yes, when he was very young. <laughs> I have yeah, seen yeah. that. That, for whatever reason, escaped from my head. I think he was. Uh, I think he pissed off Fritz Lang in it. Something really? happened. Yes, yeah, something. Something, of do? course, happened um, between of course, the two of them. Yeah. I, called I him a hack or something. No, no, no. I think he was a big <laughs> Fritz Lang fan, but Fritz Lang just wasn't having him that day. He just was not happy about how the interview mm-hmm. was going down. So <laughs> he must have been so. Fritz Lang was probably is probably as old as freaking is now. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was very old, very crotchety. Uh, uh-huh. old, old Austrian men. They're, <laughs> they're not really known for, you know, their uh, personality or charisma, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. He just kind of looked like an evil John Ford. <laughs> yeah. Eye patch. yeah um, so uh, what is the, uh, Hans, we know that, well, I know that the first uh, William Friedkin film you checked out was French Connection, right? Yeah. Um, what was yeah. the first one for for you, Kyle? I mean, I, I saw The Exorcist when I was like nine years old, and that's the only time I've seen it. I kind of don't want to watch it again. Maybe, maybe one day I'll watch it again, but uh, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And it like I couldn't sleep with my door closed for like a year. Yeah, very effective. I, I had a very similar experience. I think I was nine years old at the time. It was the version you've never seen before that uh, came out to theaters, and then they it went to DVD, and I picked it up, and it just. Ah, I was traumatized from it. Is that what, so. when they included the spider walk? Scene? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I've seen those scenes. That, the yeah, that weren't in the film, like the original. I saw it on like VHS at a friend's birthday party, and I yeah, it was terrible. Everybody, I think every kid there was like traumatized for <laughs> just ruined, just yeah, ruined the party. Everyone wanted uh-huh. to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, that that version you've never seen before doesn't really hold up too well i i've i I think i watched the theatrical cut the original theatrical cut for the first time only maybe about a year ago and it completely changes the tone of the film which is something i i was not capable i think of getting when i was uh even re-watching it like 20 years old or or anything like that but just in addition to altering the tone and and having like less of a nihilistic vibe um, there's a lot of spooky shots where it's just like an overlay of that white face that's forced yeah, into yeah. a new shot. Like Ellen Burstyn's walking through the kitchen and it just flashes very slow. It's not even subliminal. It's just there. It's just on the screen. Terrible. Awful. What is the name of that demon? There's like a, I, I can't remember what it is. Pazuzu. Pazuzu. That's right. Ugh. Yeah. I used to see that face in my, my dreams as a kid. <laughs> Uh, I'm really excited so for the, it. They're doing two new sequels, uh, uh, Halloween oh, yeah, style, with Ellen Burstyn coming back. Oh, really? Well, Who's that's Ellen Burstyn? Let me see. You just, about slam her, just slam her against the couch again. <laughs> just push oh, her yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> welcome for a dream, lady. Wow, she's, she's getting up there, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's 90, so they're going to portray her as like an older, crazy lady. That's going to be telling all the 
the story without showing oh, okay. like said, yes, exposition is just going to be her sitting there okay, like, shaking a... or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever Who's seen, uh, I think it's David Gordon Green doing these two. Oh. The new ones. Yeah. He's from North Carolina where I think in Raleigh close to, yeah, where I am. Yeah. They, uh, they do all their productions out there. Are you, are you a big David oh, Gordon yeah. Green fan? Um, I really like his early work. I like uh, George Washington and what's that one he did with, Sam Rockwell, there's extremely depressing one where it's uh his like child dies, snow something. Oh, it was supposed yeah. to be based on a true story. What else did he do? I feel like he like was doing some cool movies and then he did Your Highness and I kind of lost interest in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He did uh those two movies, All the Real Girls, and then he wound up doing oh, Pineapple yeah. Express. I loved and All the Real Girls actually. That that's a great one too. Mm-hmm. And uh then he became a commercial director, started doing these comedies, took mm. a short break came back with Prince Avalanche and Joe, the Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, yeah, I didn't see Joe. That one's pretty good. And uh, he's kind of had a weird career ever since. I, th- I think he also might have done a movie mm. called Manglehorn with Al Pacino and Harmony Korine. Mangle- okay, yeah, I see it here. Look, Harmony Korine acts in it? Yes, yeah. Oh, wow, <laughs> I didn't see that. So uh, kind, of a, kind of an interesting trajectory with his career. And I don't know if you saw this new Halloween movie, but... No, uh, no, I... I uh, have not. I haven't seen either of them, either of his new ones. Well, what they did was with the last one, it's like played as like it's a PTSD, PTSD female empowerment drama. And then this one is like an episode of Vice Principals or uh, oh, okay. Eastbound and Down, basically. Oh, I didn't. Uh, what's it? Danny McBride co-wrote it, I, I thought. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's that. So that makes sense. <laughs> that kind of tone to it. Uh-huh. Um, That's so weird, though. I heard it was like anti-woke, which I was like. Uh, I'm not sure about he said the first one was too but he said the second one was like overly like too on the nose anti-woke I would say uh, it definitely rides that line I think some people are are misinterpreting it as like oh this is a commentary on the Capitol riot it's like Mm. this movie was finished in 2019 and it just sat for two years so no not quite Um, but the first one I the only really anti-woke thing about that Halloween movie is like it's very pro-gun very pro-self-defense so this one is uh, more like, ah, oh, things get out of control when you follow the mob, when you're chasing one guy. And they make a like a, what is he, a short, dumpy, Danny DeVito-looking fellow jump off the roof of a hospital because it's like, he's Michael Myers, even though Michael Myers is like a seven-foot-tall uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was great. Yeah, I don't know what other, what other uh, woke themes this one has. I mean, anti... Well, I guess the yeah the mentality thing because everything else is just violence and silliness. Really, there's not. I guess it's not supposed to be taken serious. That was my mistake when I watched it that I was following the seriousness of the first one. But after talking about it with uh, Lores and and I guess that we had in, in the episode, he uh, changed my view on it completely because it's so it's really silly. But I. I didn't realize that you were supposed to not take it seriously because I oh, thought it really? was you know, part of a, part of a, uh, what is it? Three movies. Yeah. Uh, so then just looking at it with those eyes, then it, yeah, it completely changes everything. And yeah. One more, third of the movie is just a gay joke. Series. It's just a gay couple that they make fun of for yeah. 30, 30 <laughs> minutes of the 90 minutes. So yeah. that's the kind of movie you're in store for this Halloween. Uh-huh. If you check, maybe out I will Weekends. watch it. I, I thought, yeah, yeah. If they're, if they're trying to make it kind of funny, that sounds like uh, I would enjoy that. Yeah. So, uh, Exorcist, I guess, I mean, maybe he'll do the same thing with The Exorcist. Maybe we'll get 60-year-old Linda Blair pulling gags on people. Maybe she's just pretending to be possessed this time. (laughs) 
That'd be a good trick. I didn't see any of the Exorcist sequels. The the second or the George C. Scott isn't even the third one. I, yeah. I, I just have like avoided it my whole life. I kind of like being terrified. It's like one thing I'm still just like, don't even like looking at image of the, images of the Exorcist that freak me out. The, um, yeah, the sequels it's definitely are... Gonna, it's definitely going to ruin that if you rewatch it. Because I the first time I saw it, I was 18. And I nev- I've never understood the... Oh the, yeah, the yeah, that's what. Because by that point it was silly. Uh, but if you, yeah, the effects and how everything's done, I guess it's still kind of scary if you if you suspend disbelief. But it, it has that you know silliness of films from that time where mm-hmm. you know it's difficult to take seriously now. I guess I'm also not like an ultra Christian kid like I was when I was nine years old. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're not really... afraid of going to hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the the second Exorcist film plays just like a like a fantasy movie it's a very never-ending story and uh, it's got big uh you know sound sets sound stages and it's just a giant production from from john borman and then the third one is a pretty good film um it's definitely played much more i think serious less campy than that second one where they're trying to also make linda blair sexy even though she's only like 17 years old at the time (laughs) richard burton is like lusting after her (laughs) would you say that's more of like a sci-fi movie than horror though the third one um i think it's very horrific i don't know if i would say it's science fiction though that sounds a little wacky to me that sounds kind of nuts science fiction (laughs) yeah it deals with because i guess it deals with uh you know, with the whole experimentation and everything on the girl, but oh wait, is that the second one? No, that's the no, second that's the third one. one, right? No, that's the second one. Oh, never mind. I don't think yeah, there's the third a machine one, that yeah, uh, yeah, 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 transfers her into like alternate <laughs> planes of reality or something, and then Paul Schrader's Exorcist to Africa the or something, hanging out in Africa, back from Africa. <laughs> that's a good one. The Exorcist um, back from Africa. Yeah. What? What is uh, <laughs> Kyle? What's the earliest film in Friedkin's filmography that you checked out? Is it The Exorcist or is there another? Yeah, one? that was the first, uh, yeah. The Exorcist is definitely the earliest I saw. I'm, I can't think of what like got me. Oh, I think Bug. My because I saw Bug in theaters in like 2006, and that's kind of what got me on a kick. And like I'll go back to his films every few years. Um, I feel like before then I didn't really know much about him. I, I didn't know about, like his name specifically. I hadn't seen French Connection or any of that stuff. Uh, I have not seen some of his earliest films. I just realized his mm-hmm. first movie was Good Times with Sonny and Cher. Oh yeah, so, I read about that. Was when I was doing some research. And there's, there's two others. For whatever reason, I thought uh, the Boys in the Band was the uh, the 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 first one, but it was not. I watched that yeah. uh, somewhat recently. And it's rough, but it's not a mm. bad movie by by any means. He has such like a weird checker patterned filmography, I want to say, in the 1970s, because the same or rather uh, one year after he does, I believe, Sorcerer, he does uh, The Brinks Job, which is like a family comedy with Peter Falk and Peter Boyle. Oh, really? Yeah about a bank robbery in Boston. It doesn't have his style at all. It's just like, a, it feels like a director for hire gig. Oh, okay. That's just going to ask. He's kind of on autopilot or something there. Right. It's, it's, it's exactly that, but you don't really see that too much with, um, you know, his, his body of work. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I checked it out. I was, I was definitely expecting it to be more Friedkin E, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like a bad movie by any means. Obviously like this dude is, I think he's, I mean, technically, because he's still working, um, 
because of Devil and Father of Morth, which I don't know if you oh, saw yeah. that. We'll, we'll talk no, about no. that maybe. Um, it, <laughs> probably the best working filmmaker who's alive, American filmmaker anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just his overall quality is uncomparable, incomparable mm-hmm. to, to, to many. Um, so he does the Brinks job and then he does cruising in 1980. What do you mm. think about cruising? Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. I love cruising. It's been probably since 2015 ish or so, but I mean, I still think about it a lot. It was, uh, I, I love that. I love the style. Um, I love sort of like the history behind it, how uh, there was a outrage by the gay community and, just reading about it and that and it being kind of about the AIDS epidemic before people really knew I, I, that's what people kind of I remember talking about before people really knew what was going on with AIDS mm-hmm. um, and I just love the whole history of that movie it's very cool do you know the uh the backstory on at least one of the killers and and the exorcist no so uh I guess one of the uh male nurses in the exorcist um well, I, I think he actually might have been a male nurse for real as well, uh, was one of the killers that uh, inspired the whole cruising movie. And the police made him cop to a bunch of murders, and he didn't remember the vast majority of them. But he said, I at least did one that they pointed out. But they said, oh. I, I'd get a reduced sentence if I just pled guilty to all of them. And he's out and about right now. So, <laughs> Is that Paul Bateson? I wouldn't know. I don't. I don't. Keep so the of... the the real life story they based on him was he like a like a depraved killer or something like that or his story was when free because Freakin went to go interview him in prison. Um, oh, wow. He said that he was very drugged up and didn't remember a good portion of anything, and uh, it was kind of just like a heat of the moment murder that he committed with a dude he was sleeping with at the time, and uh, they got his DNA or whatever, found him, and then that's how all that went. Weird. Yeah, I did not know about that at all. That's really cool. I mean, not cool, but <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I, I would say that, do you have like a preferred decade of William Friedkin's filmmaking? Um, I kind of like his like, I do like his '90s movies. Like I like Blue Chips and Rules of Engagement. I don't know; it's hard to say. My favorite. Um, I feel like probably just like his bangers, probably his '70s, yeah, up till Cruising. That like Sorcerer and Cruising and French Connection are just like so good. Um, so probably that decade. Yeah, that's a, that's an easy pick. I think. Just yeah, yeah, I know it's almost too easy, uh-huh. uh, but. I, 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 there is something I think about his 80s filmography as well, even though that is definitely spottier. He's mm-hmm. uh, somebody who kind of defined that uh, 80s crime texture along with Michael Mann mm-hmm. and uh, Abel Ferreira. Yeah, for sure. Where uh, you take a look at a movie like Cruising, but also To Live and Die in L.A., and mm-hmm. it has such a defined look to it that everything else just winds up taking afterward and then comes back like – 10 years ago and people are trying to emulate mm-hmm. that now and they can't, they yeah, can't yeah. nail it uh, just right. Uh, I mean, Hans, you haven't seen to live and die in LA before. That's a big one. No, I thought I, I did, but now that I, now that I'm looking at it is with Willem Dafoe, definitely not. Yeah. I haven't watched a, it all. He, he plays it's a character in that one. Uh, it's, I, it's, it's a, uh, it's a very good one. Uh, I'm not mm. going to spoil the ending. It has a very surprising end to it. 
Unfortunately, Sorry. I've heard the ending. Oh, you know what it uh, is? Yeah, yeah. I have the Blu-ray. I've had it for years, and I've kind of been just like saving it for a rainy day. Um, I've been kind of slowly watching his movies. I'm going to be very sad when I watch his last film that I haven't seen. So I've been kind of savoring it. Definitely uh, don't save the Devil and Father of Morth for last, oh, yeah. which is his, his last. It probably will be his last movie at this point. Would you say uh, it's garbage? Say? It's uh, unnecessary. It's, very unnecessary yeah it's it well here's the thing do you consider documentaries to be part of a filmmaker's filmography if the majority of their films or if it's not like a scorsese situation where he's doing mm -hmm. um, fiction and then doc one per year i feel like i'm thinking of like herzog or something like that i do but maybe Mm -hmm. not for all maybe not for freaking specifically even though yeah. I guess he started off as a documentary, whatever, making documentaries. Oh, right. Yeah. He, he started out by getting a guy off death row. Like he proved. Oh, yeah, yeah. He might have been innocent or something and uh, saved the guy's life. Yeah, I've heard a little bit. I forgot what the name of it was. Paul uh, Crump? Paul Crump. Yeah. Is that it? I, People I think so. Paul Crump? Mm. Yeah, it might be. Uh, I'm, I'm not 100% confident, but that definitely sounds familiar to me. So I, he started out, I guess, as like a, an investigative journalist and wound up leaning more into the filmmaking path uh, that way because this was huge. It won, uh, I, I think, some awards or got him a grant and uh, just pushed him in the right direction to where he was then doing uh, like Alfred Hitchcock Hour and Twilight Zone, whatever the directors of that era were doing. And um, then we eventually do get to... Uh, Good Times and and all these other films. Uh, have you guys seen his TV movies at all? No, I really want to watch his Tales from the Crypt episode, though, because I was very into Tales from the Crypt recently. I don't that's, think I got around to it. That's one I've been meaning to revisit because um, I was on a Twilight Zone <laughs> kick for so a while. Funny. and uh, What was it? Night Gallery I was checking out because mm-hmm. I have yeah. Peacock, and that's been pretty good. But Tales from the Crypt I remember loving as a kid, and so I haven't awesome. watched it since. Yeah, I was watched the horn? first. It was hornier, wasn't it? Tell us from the crit. Hornier. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. yeah. When it comes it's it. HBO, you got to get your money. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Streaming. when it comes to those ontology ones, is the one that we always show with titties, I think, <laughs> from what I can remember. I, the yeah, uh, I, Bordello of Blood, I remember, had tons of tits. I love that. <laughs> was that <laughs> was the one with uh, Dennis Miller and Corey Feldman? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, I forgot <laughs> Corey Feldman was in it. It's the two yeah, of them. Yeah, my friend and I. Angie Everhart. Uh, and then the there was the other one too, and I think most people consider that one the superior Tales from the Crypt movie, uh, Demon Knight. Demon Knight, yeah, yeah, where they put the like blood on the window or something to stop the demons from getting in. Yes, it's been so long since I saw it. That movie stars Jada Pinkett mm-hmm. Smith, which is oh really so strange to think about now. And yeah. Billy Zane, and we got William Sadler. It's uh, wow. it's a is Zane the villain. Yes, he plays like a Satan kind of character. Of course, he's bold. You couldn't be a hero of in course. the 80s or 90s as a bold man. You're Damn. immediately evil. And they put hair on him for Titanic and made him evil. It's yeah. funny. Mm. <laughs> he's still bald. I forgot. They gave, him, yeah, they gave him a middle we part. Knew. Yeah. <laughs> he has nothing going on right now. I don't know what happened to him. I think he's, he's just got... And like a vibe about him that you know he's like a prick in real life 
Oh yeah, totally. It's those uh, hunter eyes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think something along those lines. So <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he's yeah. been weeded out. I think he only Devilish. does like Hallmark movies. He was on Cameo. Oh, damn. He was on Cameo, and I think his Cameo was like eight hundred dollars or something. Damn. It was like Billy Zane, eight hundred dollars. Mm. I don't know about all on, that. On what? <laughs> 800 bucks for a cameo I, I don't trust man with gay lips and he's got gay lips <laughs> <laughs> so he's probably That's a dick so yeah. <laughs> yeah. um have you ever seen the hunted yes i love the hunted it's you been love the hunted it's probably been 2015 six, like when i i think around when i watched cruising i did like hunting a lot uh the hunted uh from what i remember i liked it a lot you might change my mind. Well, but, uh, yeah, was, we were like we were just it. talking about it before you hopped on the call because I, I I was on a freaking kick last year. I was like, "What's on streaming for free that I can just watch and that I haven't seen of his?" And I watched that. I was like, "All right, Benicio del Toro, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, small <laughs> town where in like Alaska or so, somewhere like that looks good, sounds good. I'm in." And uh, boy, howdy, did that not live up to my expectations? <laughs> that felt. Uh, the fight scenes in that felt a lot like The Irishman, where uh, Robert De Niro's kicking the guy on the ground. Oh, really? He's very stilted. Yeah, like elder abuse. Yeah. When I think <laughs> about it, the scenes, I remember liking them. I thought they were, like, kind of cool. They were, like, a weird tactical. Like, they held yeah. the knife, like, back. I thought it was, like, Metal Gear or something like that at the time. <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> there's, <a> very, <laughs> there's a very mean scene where you have 70-something-year-old uh, Tommy Lee Jones run, running and he looks like a 70 something year old running (laughs) but we're supposed to be like yeah he's going for him and he's just uh why would you do that to him (laughs) i feel like benicio toro is so cool in that movie from what i remember from his character yeah he's like a killer right Mm -hmm. yeah 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 he's a trained killer and i think what tommy lee jones is the dude who trained him yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I was thinking Metal Gear. It's like Metal Gear 3 or something. I think I remember thinking that at the time. It was like big, he was like big boss or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. I, I, well, but but there's, there, there, there's a reason why they don't show a big boss ball. running, though, or doing anything, <laughs> anything physical. That's not enough close up. Yeah. Uh, Bug is still one that I have not seen, but I've a lot of people have warmed up to that in the years since. Mm-hmm. It was always kind of an under the radar, but underrated. Uh, movie and i think they might have added it to shutter or something because all of a sudden you'd see pockets of the the horror community on social media on like twitter or, or like facebook groups or or whatever where people are talking about bug like it's uh one of his great films i i still haven't watched it and hans i don't think you watched it right or you caught it a long time ago i watched it when it came out like 2006 2007 but the only thing I remember was that when it was done, I was like, oh, cool. I saw Ashley Judd's titties. Uh, oh, yeah. That's the only, that's the only thing I remember uh, from it. I wasn't, like, I didn't really know much about movies at the time. So I would just watch whatever my, like, I, I had a collection of, like, Rob Schneider movies. Uh, so, so, you still so have a collection one, of Rob Schneider I, movies. Well, I, yeah, I, I still have it. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh yeah, it was at that time where very slow movies would just bore me, and and this one has like a well, it's it's everything happens inside a room, right? Uh, so it, it it tests your patience if you're not down for that type of movie. So I just remember at the time I was kind of like, oh, is this not for me? But she was naked throughout it, so I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> that's good enough. That's good. <laughs> that's that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so what was it you liked about Bug? 
Um, I'm trying to think of like what I liked about it. I remember seeing it with a friend at the time, like maybe opening weekend, because I the trailer for some reason just like uh like the TV spot, I'll never forget. I thought it looked so cool. But I don't know what it was about. I think about the film a lot. I feel like I think about like uh there's the tagline that's like paranoia is contagious or something like that. I don't know, I don't want to spoil anything about the film since you haven't seen it. But uh, no, go ahead. Fuck it. Who cares? Just I'm I'm gonna watch it no matter what. It ain't really gonna ruin the experience for mm-hmm. me. I think it I turns like, out to be all in their head or so, something like that, right? Kind kind of, yeah, yeah. It's it's he's just like completely like uh, Michael Shannon's character is. Uh, I think he broke out of some mental institution. He's like completely insane. But uh, I feel like right now thinking about it with like uh, like it's uh, there's a lot of like conspiracy stuff in it or whatever. He's completely. Uh, uh he, he he's obsessed with whatever like uh groom lake and uh like all these uh governments i don't know killing he thinks he's like a, a tim mcveigh like type government uh what's mm. it mk ultra agent or something like that mm. and so i don't know i've probably seen the movie five or ten times since it came out and it always feels like it's like uh creeping up on this this world where everybody's like more and more obsessed with conspiracy theories. And I don't know, it, it kind of, uh, it freaks me out in that way. Cause I kind of see it. IRL yeah, it sounds very uh-huh. relevant right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's it like uh, destroys like everything or like everyone around him, at least like the main character, uh, Ashley Judd, his, uh, his paranoia, it's very uh, like malignant and I've seen it in real life too. So it's, it's like very been like kind of a cautionary tale in my life, I guess. Well, what have you seen in real life as far as conspiracy running amok? Just all the like big stuff. I feel like it was like maybe a year or two ago. Like actually it was beginning of COVID. I got like kind of stressed out about like conspiracy. Like I would go down like a bit shoot rabbit hole just out of curiosity. And I feel like I kind of peeked over the edge and it was like kind of bug where bug made me realize like, don't go too far, man. This shit's like <laughs> really not good for you. And it gets worse. So oh yeah, now I don't do it. And I tell like my mom and stuff, cause she's really into Q and I'm like, don't fuck with that shit. Like, even if it's real, like, what are you going to, it's not going to make your life any better. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, it's been a good film for me. I think in that way, <laughs> um, uh, it, it definitely seems like all, all these conspiracy freaks. I, I mean, they they find some bit of truth there's mm-hmm. always truth in the this is what people dismiss is that a lot of conspiracies are actually probably true mm-hmm. there's, it's that's what makes it persuasive and why they keep going because there's something that's verifiable through some sort of evidence either maybe it's just you know pattern recognition or, or whatever it might be and it's addictive to get into that like i've definitely gone through cycles where it's just like this is what I'm reading about for this this week at <laughs> four in the morning, and this is how every night's gonna go. It sucks. It it's it, it can be so hard to. Oh uh-huh. yeah, you uh-huh. you feel like you're really digging into something, and you know you're part of what like some knowledge that could come into play oh, down yeah, the road. Yeah, you're gonna inform. Well, yeah, you're yeah. gonna have uh-huh. a leg up on everyone else. But it's also hard to wean away from that. But I'm at a point where I'm just so exhausted by like everything real. And I can't even be bothered to have totally. an opinion about so much of that. Same I think the way. best the best way to know if you're going too far into something is just to mention it to someone that's not. Because whenever that happens, all I have to do is just like I just talk to my girlfriend and I'm like, hey, do you know this and this? And she's like, who cares? And I'm like, all right, this doesn't actually it doesn't actually <laughs> affect true. anything in my life. You're uh-huh. right. So it's like she like pulls me out of that thing. But I 
I, I can imagine that if you don't have anyone like that, or if you prefer to only talk to people in that same sphere that are just going to mm-hmm. continue feeding you the same shit, you can go pretty nuts. And I think we've seen that with uh, with COVID. Like uh, people that totally. just uh, stand in front of their t- or sit in front of their TV and just watch the news and believe everything they've been telling us. I say it with my fucking dad, who's terrified of like he's he had a stroke a, uh, a couple of years ago so he can walk but not fast or anything so his exercise is just going out or on the garage just walking around the other day he decided to go on the sidewalk but he was wearing a mask and he was wearing a visor and shit and i'm just like what are you there's it's eight in the morning there's no one around and even if they are like what are they going to are you sure that was because face? of covid and not the fact you live in costa rica yeah it's yeah it's not that bad here you piece of shit (laughs) but yeah uh, it's just because he's because of his stroke he can barely move well no he can't go out i guess so he watches every news broadcast and the news that we get down here is just regurgitated cnn news Mm. so it's the same just fear 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 all the time and every day I have to just be like, think about what you're believing. And as soon as you think about it, you see that it makes no fucking sense. Uh, but <laughs> if all you do is just feed yourself with that thing and you have no one to like pull you out of it, I can completely see how you convince yourself of you know, something that might not even be happening. We're not going to affect you in any way in your life and mm-hmm. just go crazy. Yeah. yeah, Bug, they're isolated and he's like sucking her in. And she's like uh, mentally well like she's like extremely stable in the film uh i don't know she's very in touch with reality it seems like and then michael shannon sort of slowly sucks her into his delusions and she's so wounded that she sort of just like uh yields to it takes it yeah don't they cover the whole room with uh tinfoil or something tinfoil and like those little bug uh zappers and stuff like that everywhere and they're mutilating themselves uh it's such a cool movie to me. Yeah, I like the uh I like how small it is. I like how you can like uh imagine it as a play as well. Well, the um, uh the screenwriter is Tracy Letts, who's like a famous mm-hmm. playwright, and he also worked on uh Killer Joe as yeah, well. Yeah. And I know Killer Joe certainly has that vibe about it where it feels like a stage totally. play. Is that the same case with with Bug? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think uh Bug's a little more um it seems like he cared a little bit more he was a little more invested killer joe i feel like it was like an early digital movie of his and he seemed like he was kind of like oh this looks cool let's just shoot it i don't know there seemed a little bit a little less love in killer joe even though i like killer joe a lot he just seemed like he's a little uh just not as in love with filmmaking or something like that sad as that is to say that i think that happens to all of them where uh you know they they have that but they also get uh you know, infatuated with the technology and the ability to to change certain things. Like, uh, have you ever looked up the French Connection recoloring? No, that sounds terrible, though. I hate oh, no. color correction in movies now. So what happened <laughs> was uh, there's a video on YouTube or something uh, where he's sitting down with an editor and explaining, like, how he regraded the color on the French Connection to fit what he meant back in 1970-whatever. Mm. So it had, like, more of a drab tone to it. It was, like, dirty, brownish New York and uh, then he was like, but if we just turn up the saturation here and oh, we lean no. into the blues a little bit, then oh, we have this new, and it's like a 1950s movie. It looks like The Wizard of Oz when they go to color. What? <laughs> so strange. Wizard of Oz with uh, Speed Racer colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really uh, distracting. 
Now I haven't I haven't watched that Blu-ray, but I don't know if that's what's in circulation on TV or on stream or which one is going around. So do you know when that's that came was, out? That was about 2012 or 2011. I, I wonder if that's the one I watched because I didn't watch it until 2015 or something like that. That's so terrible, especially because we like we talk about all the time that aesthetic of the 70s. It's you can't replicate it now, and it's so specific for that time that i i can't imagine ruining it by making it into a fucking mm-hmm. modern graphic colorful shit that sounds Seems terrible like well, he really yeah. he wanted to lean into that 1950s hollywood style look which was we're still kind of figuring out how to even use oh. color that early mm-hmm. 60s oversaturated yeah yeah uh, that's always been off-putting to me when it comes to movies from the 1960s it's hard for me to sit down and watch and take it seriously because of that when the when the three stooges are in color like, oh that's that's that that's looks weird yeah, yeah, <laughs> i don't like it it makes me uncomfortable they're, they're 50, yeah. is it like recolorized uh the three so, stooges or something that's there's so definitely they've definitely done that i think i have a dvd <laughs> on the shelf over there i was like oh Ew. cool this is three bucks this is walmart yeah, recolored is three in, stooges in color no they made a movie in like the the 80s i think or 70s where it which is in color and it's just not the same. It just it's it's. What do you weird. mean a movie? They like they recolored and repackaged a bunch of shorts. No, no, no. I, a movie where they're when they're old. If I'm oh. not mistaken, that's what I remember. No, they were dead. They all dead those students died in the seventies. <laughs> Mo, Are Mo, you I sure? think was was the last one to hang on, and that was mid late seventies, maybe. <laughs> Actually, there was Curly Joe Besser. He, oh man, I had a Three Stooges videotape that was like the true story, the Three Stooges. We're gonna go into the backstory, see home movies, and there was a video of Curly Joe's like 80th birthday, and he had the fucking tubes up his nose like someone's dying grandma, and he was very Fuck. overweight. It was horrible. He just like looked at the camera. <laughs> not laughing anymore <laughs> they all had like horrible lives and, and oh yeah i've heard yeah, that yeah they, they were plagued with all sorts of mental illness and died like curly was only 40 and had to go to the psych ward because he had a stroke and couldn't his body anymore sucks yeah terrible. they made no money at all because you couldn't make money in those years i guess with whatever they were doing so they were just yeah sick and they died horribly I must have been a recolor now that you say that because yeah, I, I, I wow that I guess that's why they look so off-putting uh, <laughs> when I saw it. Did you guys see the Will Sasso? <laughs> the the From, like, Farley the, Brothers, uh, Three Stooges. Oh, was it Farley Brothers? That's yeah, something. yeah. The Oscar-winning Farley Brothers, who for Green Book, one of those guys won. Wait, no shit, really? Yeah, he directed Green Book. That's so weird. I had no idea. That was right what? after, I'm Is pretty sure the filmography goes, Dumb and Dumber 2, Green Book. <laughs> so. Damn, uh, I love me, myself, and Irene. Sorry to get off a freaking topic, but that's That's funny. actually, you know what? That's a very underrated comedy, me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> that was so fucking funny. hilarious. At least when I saw it when I was a kid, I was like, oh, man, yeah. Jim oh, Carrey's yeah. saying the F word. Jim Carrey's <laughs> sucking on a tit. He's got he's <laughs> yeah, been cucked right. with three black sons. This is great. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> From a black midget, too. Not yeah, just that's three right. black sons. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I have not seen the, the Three Stooges movie they made. Uh, no, I skipped it six years ago i think larry david pops yeah. up in that <laughs> I, I heard it's not terrible i don't know how but i would watch because it it's just because sure. it's just silly it's just like really stupid and, and just 
you know, why it's get so outraged retarded. about why get mm. outraged about a movie about the Three Stooges when it was yeah, all yeah. just silly violence, right? But I refuse to watch it for whatever reason. I have a, a little bit of like, uh, I don't know if I want to see the guy from Dharma and Greg play Larry. <laughs> oh my God. That's so fun. I didn't know he was. Dharma and Greg. No, it's Will and Grace. That's Jack what? from Will and Grace. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. That's, I watched that's Will and Grace recently. Was it the new yeah. one or was it the old? It was the Grace? old one. My ex girlfriend was watching like a year ago or something. And I was like, I like kind of, I guess I forgave it because it was so old, but man, that shows, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty there's goofy. A, there's a new one? They they rebooted it oh, around yeah, the time. Right. It's like an answer to Roseanne. Of course they did. The answer to Roseanne. So is Ro- it, is, yeah, is Roseanne anyone was... watching all of these revi- TV show revivals that they're doing now? Like the All in the Family one? No, it's not All in the Family. What is it? Uh, Wonder, Wonder Years. years. Is the Black Wonder Years now, and and uh, I'm it's called it. Black Wonder Years. <laughs> black Wonder well, it's <laughs> it's about a black family in the what fifties or whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's no. The first episode is literally the day Martin Luther King is shot. That's how oh, black damn. the Black Wonder. It's years like is. Uh, the first episode of Twin Peaks. <laughs> They're all just crying. <laughs> they yeah, all get to start your. Let's see you start your, your comedy set in the fifties. I, I I've been watching it. Uh, just because I'm in a TV mood these days more than movies, uh, clearly, and it doesn't really matter like the level of quality of it. So I I got to the third episode, and it's really bad. Don't get me wrong, it's really bad. But the third episode comes around, and uh, the black Kevin Arnold finds a porno magazine in his father's toolbox and brings it to school. And the first thing I was like, this ain't realistic. Is the white kids were also looking at the black porno magazines, getting all <laughs> excited about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah no. But then it goes off the rails. <laughs> uh, the uh, the principal catches him, confiscates the magazine, holds on to one of the magazines. Of course, the dad gets called to the school. He's like, "Listen, son, why don't we just keep this between you and me, just a couple of men?" And then later on. You know, the kid is all boned up and he wants to go back to the porno magazines and he gets caught that time. So the mom catches him now and the mom goes, Kevin Arnold, what are you doing? And then she confiscates it. And then later they have a chat and it's one of the talks, you know, because he's only a little boy. He's like 10 years old. And uh, that's funny. I bet that talk is really funny. Well, the laugh track and everything. I shut it off after this. She said, listen. These aren't your father's magazines. These are my magazines. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she was a very progressive woman back then. (laughs) A black, hold on, a black woman in the 60s in the South is reading pornos and about to have a sex-positive conversation with a little boy (laughs) and why he shouldn't be ashamed to jerk off to her magazines. I said, fuck this. I turned it off. Started watching George Clooney, handsome George Clooney, saving a boy in a well. Oh, yeah, ER. It's like they're, ah, oh, fuck. That's why all TV is shit now, because they just try to cover everything. So then it's, who's this for? Like, who's enjoying this, that you have to include every victim out there? And then it's just like, who, who's your audience? The, the ev- victims of everything, I guess, <laughs> which is what you're trying to get. That's why they fucking fail. I can't, I hate when they, now that they're just reviving old properties that are a product of it, it's time and they don't work at all when you try to modernize them. I, I recently saw that they, they did a, 
I know it did last summer. And yeah, they they redid oh, yeah. a slumber slumber party massacre, which is a really? very obscure one that I don't even shudder. I think did it, who just continues putting out absolute shit. Uh, they, it's like they don't even try. That that's a perfect example of like let's hope that the name carries this piece mm-hmm. of shit because they don't 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 even put any effort into making it good. It's just like hey, remember this title? That's kind of like what you <laughs> yeah. enjoyed thirty years ago, and then you watch it. It's just cheap. It's like an asylum movie, uh, but. <laughs> yes it's we're out of fucking uh creativity at all just regurgitate things from the past but don't actually make them like they used to be because you can't now uh so we're just going to change the tone completely so that we're not canceled and who's watching this i think it's fine i like it all i think it's good stuff (laughs) i enjoy spending time with my family and watching the black kevin arnold's that's what i like (laughs) Um, his, you don't even know his name. <laughs> the black Kevin Arnold. That's that's gonna get uh, taken off. I don't know how they make money. They figured out something. There's some undercover strategy to all of this that's working out for them or working out enough, and that's all they really care about. Because you check you check out the some... ratings, and it's all not very good. So are they like money laundering or something with it? I think that's the case with a with a, probably a good portion of movies anyway. Um, TV. That's I mm-hmm. I. I can't even begin to understand how they measure the metrics of like, well, what about somebody who recorded it on on demand or something and, and figuring it out that way? Or who's watching on Hulu compared mm-hmm. to buying an Amazon Prime video for a buck ninety nine? So, <laughs> yeah, they need to be hanged. <laughs> I don't. I, I saw that uh, that uh, Jacob's Ladder. I watched like the first thirty minutes because uh, Jacob's Ladder was like my favorite movie ever. Remake. 1819. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh Oof. boy, that's a treat. It's bad news. <laughs> I was watching and I was like, how is this any different than like going into a fucking museum with like a sledgehammer and just <laughs> taking it into every statue? It was oh man, it was really bad. It was mean. Adrian uh, Lyon is a, a, yeah. a great director. I, I've been watching a lot of his like affair movies lately. I've been watching a lot of affair movies with Michael oh, Douglas. Really? That's right. He did what's the bunny boiler movie? Fatal Attraction. Fatal, yeah, yeah. I never saw it, but I remember my mom seeing it as a kid and <laughs> thought it was awesome. Oh, that movie's terrific. And uh, great. I mean, they, Glenn Close really nails it as, yeah, I'm stable. I'm a normal girl. And then I'm gradually. I'm an ugly woman. Unspooled. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm an ugly woman. This man's going to ruin his entire loves. life to fuck my ugly. No, that movie is She loves showing her tits in those adult dramas, too. And they're flapjacks. They are disgusting. They, that, the big chill, she can't get topless enough, this woman. It's like Michael Douglas <laughs> is going to fucking ruin his life for this horse. This ugly no, ass I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't believe that. No. That's so it's funny. Like, it, it, was that before or after the, the pussy movie? You know, the, the Sharon what? Stone? Oh, yeah. Sharon oh, Stone that was basic instinct. These are peas in a pod. But ba- uh, that's basic instinct. That's the early 90s. And that movie's so over the top. That's Paul Verhoeven yeah. who did Robocop oh, okay. and Showgirls. So the tone of that, made that is so wacky compared to Fatal Attraction, which is like a straight up movie. <laughs> Yeah, I need to see Fatal Attraction. I forgot how fucking ugly Glenn Close is. <laughs> like, why would he let this ugly ass woman? It's so funny to me. Yeah. 
ruin his life. There's a handsome, su- successful <laughs> man. He's yeah, little, yeah. but he's, you know, he's successful. It's just this fucking <laughs> he's ramen, fucking r- ramen haired woman. <laughs> just no. Um, hey, that's a pretty H-word movie, wouldn't you say? Weren't you looking at a list of horned, horned, horny movies, Hans? And oh, I, I uh, lost they said it, yeah. Killer Joe was number oh, one, yeah, followed very by... Horny. Oh, my God, Killer Joe is so horny. Followed by Big, the Tom Hanks, yeah. <laughs> Penny Marshall film. Oh, who's the girl who's in it? Big? Um, oh, is, it, is it Blade Runner girl? What's her name? What do I, think, what do I see uh, her Sean in Sean Young? Sean Young. I don't know why I see her. What I know her from uh, is that that uh, abrupt appearance on a talk show where she's dressed as Catwoman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's trying to just garner Tim Burton's attention. I thought she just destroyed his office. She went on a talk show and hit in the uh, Catwoman. Attire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's completely batty. No pun intended. I meant that just genuinely when Oof. I said that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I did. So. I really did. That's... <laughs> Look, I have brain lapses Same. sometimes. <laughs> Oh, Susan Perkins, who play. Okay, I recognize this girl. I was trying to think of the love interest in Big. Speaking of ugly, <laughs> speaking of ugly woman, have you guys seen what Penny Marshall looked like before she died? Anyway, guys, what? Oh, she's wrong. dead. She died? I didn't Apparently know she died. 2018. Oh, oh wow! They swept that right under the rug. No one gave a shit about that at all. <laughs> yeah. Where's all yeah, the love for, for Laverne yeah. and Shirley? Nobody talks about that. <laughs> Great Happy Days spinoff. <laughs> what, are you on a Happy Days kick too? No, nah, I, I wouldn't dare watch not Happy yet. Days, please. <laughs> not yet, not, no. You're not, you're not down that bad. <laughs> I'm getting to Mork and Mindy soon. Man, I really don't like that clip of that actor, Jamie Costa, that he just arranged to have a scene shot. So he can perform Robin Williams grieving and capture the internet's attention so he can get cast. Uh, Have you seen that? I think I saw, I saw like, I feel like I saw him like a few, like a year ago or something like that. He had done some video and everybody was like, this guy needs to be cast with a Robin Williams movie or something. And then I saw it pop up again recently and I didn't even watch it. I thought it was too disgusting. Oh, it's the same. It's not even a new video. Let me see. Let me see if I'm insane right now. What's the guy's name? Jamie Costa. I think this dude originally was trying to get the role of Solo in Han, the, the Han Solo movie. And he did like a Harrison Ford impression. Pretty pretty close. It's not the first time this, this act has been trotted out. It's never worked, though. What is this? Is he a, is he a comic? He's got a YouTube account. I guess he's just an impressionist and wannabe actor. Yeah, weird. Yeah, he has a, a Kenobi fan film where I guess he plays Ben Kenobi. That's People great. Maybe we should talk about that shit. instead. Did Friedkin direct that one? <laughs> Friedkin, poor Friedkin. Got <laughs> left behind. <laughs> this guy is, I feel like this guy is like a TikToker or something like that. I just, that that I love the physio know me for sure. <laughs> I love that the first result says Robin Williams's daughter Zelda asks fans to send her the video. <laughs> That's right. I saw that tweet. She said, "Look, I know you guys all mean well. I saw the screen test. Please stop sending it to me." <laughs> 
that that seems pretty haunting. If you if somebody just like Hans, you just pretended oh, to be God. my dead dad to to yeah. perfection on no. the, on on the stream. Kept yeah, that's that. great. Hey, you want to see an impression of your dead dad that <laughs> killed himself? <laughs> Who or cut we his still wrist don't know with how. a bag over his head and drowned in a tub? Yeah, is that how it happened? <laughs> he wanted to die so bad. Yes, he's. Oh um, yeah, he's Hans frequently gets him confused with the David Carradine death. Where he hung it's himself in Thailand oh, yeah. stockings, and it was it's a little lady purpose, boy running from the hotel room. <laughs> um, no, I noticed actually from Mark Marin from WTF with Mark Marin because Bobcat Goldwave popped oh, on yeah. there, and uh, he had an interview, and it was right after Robin Williams killed himself. And I remember they were kind of hiding the fact that it was a suicide; they were definitely downplaying it because um, he had Parkinson's or dementia or something. Mm-hmm. Some, was going bad fucked up yeah and bobcat was saying that he was so frustrated with himself that he was forgetting serious things that uh he thinks that is what led to him hopping in a tub i guess taking a bunch of painkillers cutting his wrists like completely open and suffocating himself in the tub i didn't Damn, even forget sure I did not forget to do that. Imagine he just gets the razors and gets the, the, the uh, painkillers that he forgets. He's just sitting there. He's just sitting in the what tub. Am I, <laughs> what am I doing? Do I have a headache? I, I, don't, I don't know. Am I shaving? I can't feel, can't feel anything. <laughs> <laughs> just boop, 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 boop. That's really funny. That sucks. <laughs> uh, hmm. I did hear that too from Bobcat that he was like uh, very frustrated all the time because his memory was just going. Yeah, dementia's pretty evil. Oh, uh, yeah. Poor bastard. That sucks. Well, uh, was you he, know, he, how old was he when he died? He was, was he even 70? No, definitely not. I think he was maybe in his 60s. Oh, he was doing sucks. a. You know, we, I mean, I've been bringing up a lot of procedurals, but he was doing a CBS show with Sarah Michelle Geller at that time, and uh, that ruined that show. They <laughs> they had to, they had to dump that show mid season. <laughs> Fuck that! It was a real John Ritter eight simple rules situation, but they couldn't get David Spade to come and show up instead. Oh, is that what they did with that show? What a, they, yeah, they brought in David switch. Spade to fill <laughs> fill the gap of John Ritter dying of a heart attack on the set. Yeah. Instead of playing the dad, he was playing the older guy trying to fuck the daughter. It was the <laughs> uncle. He came and stayed with them to help them grieve. That's how. Yeah, that I guess you. Out. I guess you couldn't throw the Robin Williams character into the subway like they did with Charlie Sheen, right? And that Is that show. what they did on? I, I on, thought. So. I thought that's what friend? they did on. Yeah, I thought that's what they did with it. They just killed him. He like fell into a train tracks or something, and that's how he died. I think. It's been a while. They get particularly vicious with it when it's somebody who's fired from the show. Because that was Charlie Sheen after he went on that rant against Chuck Lorre and, and CBS. And right. then with Roseanne, they made her overdose on pills when she had a <laughs> pill problem. When she was on Ambien saying, you look like an ape to whatever politician woman that kind of did look like Helena Bonham Carter in that Tim Burton <laughs> ape movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I guess hey. when you're when you're canceled, you can just be a dick and kill him that way, and who cares? <laughs> sure, yeah, no one's gonna give a shit. You're ABC; you can do whatever you want. Yeah, very powerful. What do you think Friedkin's Planet of the Apes would look like? I don't know. He would really. I guess he'd really get into it. He'd have to like live uh, amongst a colony of apes or something for like a, <laughs> a year or something like that before he shot it. He's got to get in there. I, I do like be... his style. 
Benicio in the forest, just hunting down apes, going knife <laughs> to knife with them. Yeah. A bone do you or think, something, maybe. Do, do you think he would get him to fuck the ape woman? <laughs> I hope so. Some with a banana? Just makes the woman <laughs> yeah. suck on a banana. <laughs> get her on her knees. <laughs> Benicio kind of looks... I mean, I, I can say it, because he's also Latin American. So he kind of he looks like a monkey already-ish. <laughs> He's got like a very peculiar face, so I can I can That's see that funny. just a little bit of prosthetic uh, monkey king. I see, yeah. I see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this Killer Joe movie, I remember being really impressed with it when it came out in 2012 because it had such a different vibe than so many of the movies that were being released during that time. And you had uh, this is this is kind of like McConaughey trying to play it serious for the first time in a while because he had all those awful rom com movies. I know we were just mm-hmm. I, we were just talking about Ghosts of Girlfriends Past and. What was it? Failure Fool's to launch. And... Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> All these great <laughs> movies guy. from from the late aughts. Um, and this was yeah, the... Well, he, just, he just plays shirtless, retarded man with a tan in all of them. Mm-hmm. Shirtless, yeah. retarded man. <laughs> so this, this was like the first stab at that, and he nailed it. I think he's great in this movie. Uh, but also, uh, Thomas Hayden Church is very good. Is like oh, yeah, he's like an guy. idiot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who is it? What is her name? Uh, Gina Gershon is is pretty mm-hmm. good. This is during like the time Juno Temple was a thing, and now she's on Ted Lasso because her movie career petered out. She got oh, too old. God. I just saw yeah Ted Lasso that looks awful, but yeah yeah she's uh, <laughs> she's she's pretty good in it. She's like a simple simpleton too, but in like a she like hit her head or something. Yeah. Is there a reason for her being like a perpetual child or something in the movie? I can't remember if they explain it or not. I don't she's think so. It's like premature or something. I can't remember. It's been a while since I saw it. Yeah, she's 25 or so, but she acts like she's 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And she's McConaughey's Killer Joe character becomes infatuated with her. And mm-hmm. what is it? I, I think it's Emile Hirsch and um, maybe the Thomas Hayden Church character hire him to kill somebody. Who do they hire him to kill? It's been a while since I've watched this. Um, it's they're trying to kill their mom. Or yeah, Emil Hirsch's mom. They're just like the worst people yeah. in that movie. <laughs> and then they, or she kills like a lot of them. I remember at the end, or she kills all of them. Juno Temple. Right. Uh, She's the retainer that Killer Joe wants to hold oh, on to. Yeah, yeah. And there's scenes of him just like hanging out naked in their family home. He's just <laughs> there. Uh, it's it's very dark, and uh, I I think. Yeah, all the performances are very good. Uh, when I rewatched it somewhat recently, uh, it seemed campier than it maybe did when I initially watched it in 2012 or 2013. But I, I, I still think it holds up. And as far as like a narrative film goes, uh, it's not a bad note for Friedkin to end his career on, I would say anyway. Yeah, I don't so think so. You, <laughs> is that the last one before the father... The Devil and Father Morth, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so was it just the uh, the issue of feeling like new technology in an old guy's hands that that bugged you about this movie, or um, was there anything else maybe you you cited that <clears throat> made it pale in comparison to Bug? Um, I think I just like the story maybe a Bug, but or the characters and stuff better in Bug too. They're a little bit more, I, I say sympathetic. I don't really care if a character sympathetic or not, but I just maybe just liked watching them more. Like Michael Shannon's just so good. Uh, 
Killer Joe is, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to like say it's a, uh, I, I didn't like it. I, I liked it a lot, but uh, yeah, the, the characters are so fucking like, like they're trying to kill their mom. <laughs> like they're, they're just like so despicable, which I don't mind. Like, I'm not saying it's a totally bad thing, but maybe that's why I like Bug more. It's just, you kind of feel, feel for the characters a bit more. It's more of an internal conflict too, right? That they're having. And, and he gets very creative with some of the shots uh, that I can remember, at least with, with Bug. I definitely need to rewatch it. But uh, Killer Joe, it's more of a, you know, external conflict that they're all doing. Yeah, uh, totally. And it's more of a, more of a, I guess, paint by, maybe not paint by numbers, but more than Bug, definitely. Uh, so maybe that's, that's one of the reasons why you know everything is very out there and the internal conflict uh only uh it's only on on joe because we don't really know mm. who he is he's kind of like the you know the dark character that comes in with his black suit and black shirt and black pants yeah, yeah. and we don't really know much about him but bug is more of a yeah like an an internal uh issue that they're having where they're just making each other cra- well he's making her crazy i guess uh, so it's a more interesting way of just seeing them start here and then just descend into, mm-hmm. you know, craziness. That's interesting that you would say that Killer Joe is uh, more paint by the numbers uh, than than Bug. So I definitely have to give Bug a watch. I, I wish I had gotten it in right before this, but it's been such a hectic week. Uh, I'm probably going to wind up checking it out right after the show, after it no longer matters in any sort of creative sense. <laughs> but, uh, Devil and Father of Morth, that's the final film from William Friedkin. It's a documentary. It was released in 2017 and it's hardly even like a feature. I believe it clocks in just at a little over an hour. Yeah. It's an hour and eight minutes. This thing is, it's not good. The bo- I mean, the box office, what was the, there's no audience going to show up for this anyway, but it made $20,000, which is damn abysmal. Yeah. I mean, I guess it didn't even go to theaters or maybe just like select very small it's possible yeah i know i know it was playing at a couple of art house uh theaters i think in new york anyway uh when it was originally released and i was thinking about checking it out because i was very big on freaking at that point like i was able to recognize him as one of my favorite directors but uh i did not get around to it and thank god i didn't i checked it out when it came to amazon prime and it was his whole thing. Like I'm revisiting where I started. I'm going to the Vatican. I'm going to document a real mm-hmm. exorcism. I'm a Catholic now. He's like, he completely changed his religion and, and life view. And there's a great uh, clip of him haranguing uh, Darren Aronofsky for being indirect or uh, evading questions about his religious loyalty uh, cause Darren Aronofsky is just like, well, I don't, cause he had Noah coming out around that time or something. And he was like, well, I have my own personal beliefs or whatever. And William Friedkin is just repeating, are you a Christian? <laughs> Do you believe in God? <laughs> just over and over. He's like, well, I believe in uh, science and scientific things and global warming and ch- climate change. And she's like, shut the fuck up. Just quiet. didn't Friedkin grow up Jewish or yeah, I, I, I watched his documentary um about him but i didn't know i didn't i didn't know if he'd like found or christ or something like that uh, recently it was it was hard to tell what what his religious standing was in from the documentary at least yeah uh, yeah there's there's actually there's two great documentaries that were released on friedkin and the exorcist that came out only a year ago i think i think they were finished years before but they didn't get a proper uh 
American release until last year. One of them is called Friedkin Uncut, and that covers him and uh, some of his saw, body yeah. work. Yeah, that's a great one. And then there is a, um, I think it might be called Fear of God. That's about the production of The Exorcist. I, I might have the title wrong, but that's also a great watch. So Devil and Father of Morth, he's documenting an exorcism. And it's kind of boring, but you're going along with it. And then when it comes to the exorcism, <laughs> he decided to add like a voice effect to the girl. And it's very clearly a voice effect that's like built into Final Cut Pro or something like that. Where it's, just, it's, very, it's very unsolved mystery sitting in front of a, a curtain and it's a silhouette of a person type voice. But he says it's the real thing. And um, the ending, there's no ending. He says, this is what happened next. The doors all closed. The windows were flapping left and right, wide open. She said my mother's, my dead mother's name and oh, everything fuck. else. It's, it's like, what are you doing, man? Just <laughs> we're having to the footage or something. Did she uh, cut the camera off? Or I, I, I guess. Kill, I don't know. The feed. <laughs> um, he said something along the lines of like, oh, they wouldn't let us film in there during this. And he oh, just okay. explains it away. In I know he said he was a believer, like in ex in like uh, possessions after he did that documentary from the from the freaking documentary that I remember. He mm -hmm. said that the Father of Morth documentary made him a a believer. So I believe him, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I, I'm not totally closed off to the idea of uh, very weird, unexplainable things. And it not just being simply ruled away is like, oh, well, this was just an uh, undiagnosed mental illness at this time. Who knows? I have no mm -hmm. idea. I've never experienced anyone who seems to be possessed. So my mind might change if that happens. You know, I don't know. But he's old. He probably wants to believe that. He knows. <laughs> oh, yeah, he knows coming it's coming soon. <laughs> but you're also not going to convince anyone by giving him a spooky voice. You know, that's the thing that's kind of like, oh, what's the message here? So it's like a it's like an obvious fake voice that he yes. pretends is like oh this is the this is like a ghost hunters or something style it's, thing it's it's literally that it's played as a straight documentary and then you get to that point where they're sitting down with the girl and her voice is all fucked up digitally and it's just mechanical sounding it's it's a bad way to go out for, for William Friedkin <laughs> hmm. I wonder, he's kind of a troll though. I wonder, it makes me, gets my, uh, gets me thinking. I wonder what, uh, what his intent was. I think that with a lot of his movies, like, uh, even his like not so good movies, he, he does kind of have a sense of humor. I saw Rampage. I don't know if you saw that, the I have movie or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's one that slipped by me. What, what, what is the gist of that one? Isn't that with Michael Bien or? I don't think Michael, I don't. I don't remember him in it unless he's the killer. Um, it's been a while since I saw that. I saw like a VHS rip of it. Uh, maybe yeah, my, 2015 or 16. He is in it. Is he the cop? Yeah. I guess. Oh, okay. Um, it was cool though. It was, it was a little eerie, but it was kind of funny to me in like a weird way. And like, is, 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 is Billy being funny here or not? Um, I thought about that about with uh, rules of engagement too. It's like, He's like very obsessed with morality in the whole film. And then the end of he's like, just kidding. The Muslims did it or something like that. There's like something kind of funny about his films. And I wonder about that. Maybe with his document, I, I wonder what his intent was. Uh, that's another one I haven't seen. And I remember promotions for it when I was very young. And it just seemed like a very basic 
kind of like Tom Clancy style mm -hmm. military drama, adult drama. So I never got around to it. It's still one I have to check out. But that has, I think, Samuel L. Jackson. Did that one have Tommy Lee Jones as well? Yeah, it's yeah, him and Tommy Lee Jones are like the main guys. And uh, I don't know. It's pretty awesome. It's such a good like propaganda movie because it's right before 9-11. And uh, I don't know. It just makes me it made you want to go to war with the Middle East. <laughs> it's it's like perfect, <laughs> perfect timing. Like a little too good timing, actually. Uh, Those, 12... That interview, that interview that he has with Refn, it's a very, very popular clip of oh, yeah. la laughing at him. Is that <laughs> a sincere interview? Like, are they both being sincere, or are they fucking? Is I Refn well, that much of a? I, I think they're both uh, uh, trolling each other and both mm -hmm. being sincere at the same time. I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it's they know what they're saying is going to rile up. The other, <laughs> the other but they yeah. also mean what they're saying to themselves like okay. so i think it's that and the entire i says, I, I put up he, he says it's a masterpiece or something and then he's just uh, like... he said only god forgives is a masterpiece i'm probably <laughs> then, more in that camp than not a lot of people hate only yeah, god forgives i love that fucking movie that that's a beautiful film that's a strange mm -hmm. film i uh -huh, really enjoy so cool. it I uh I made a VR film in like 2017 that's like I pretty much tried to rip that movie off. I was so obsessed with that movie at the time. Um yeah, yeah I love Only God Forgives. I don't what know does, what it is what about does that movie. Making a VR movie into I had I know absolutely nothing about VR for the record. I'm very old manish in that regard. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a it was like I used like a video game engine to make it. Uh it's only like 25 minutes long. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we had some actors come out and wear these like motion capture suits and we did it all in 3d and, uh, it took about, it took like two and a half years cause I had to learn how to make a, whatever, a VR movie in a game engine, but it was very cool. It was very satisfying. And there's two other episodes that we shot. We shot it with Kentucker oddly. I don't know if you're familiar with his movies. Um, and yeah, we shot two other episodes, but it just took so long to make that we kind of put it on the back burner until we could make something a bit more commercial. Uh, but if you ever get a VR headset, let me know. I'll send you a link and stuff so you can watch. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, what do you prefer between doing traditional directing and VR directing? Um, it's a good question. VR directing is such a pain in the ass because something is like the audience can look at everything all at once. It's just so, it's so hard to cheat. <clears throat> and it's just so unknown at this point. Um, I probably would not make, uh, try and make a career out of directing VR films. It's just too, too much work. It's too, too laborious. And uh, yeah, yeah. I would go, yeah. Films are much more fun and much more like uh, they're more of a community. You're with your friends, you're hanging out like with a VR movie. You're just, at least the way I did it, you're sitting in your fucking room all the time. Is it even uh, worth making making that? Like, is that technology uh, up there? Because I I live in a third world country, so I don't know anyone that. Yeah, has Hans doesn't know shit about VR either. <laughs> but uh, know nothing at all. Like the Oculus and like the PlayStation one. Like, do they sell a lot up there? Like, is that is there like a, a market for that type I think of thing? So. Yeah, I think this sure. this recent one, this uh, this guy here, this Oculus, uh, what is it? The the Quest Two is sold a lot. It's like the completely wireless one. And I've been making a game with a friend for like two years. It's like time crisis uh, style game, but it's like kind of a comedy. 
and we're doing like all the cutscenes just like in CG, but they're like, uh, we're not doing them like VR. It's just going to be like whatever, 16 by nine uh, cinema style. Cause I don't want to like deal with making a VR movie again, basically. <laughs> right. How long did it take you to do the perfect wife by comparison? Yeah. The perfect wife I shot in like a day and a half. Oh, really? uh, yeah yeah that was really quick i just shot the scenes in the bar in one night and then i got an airbnb of the house and we just shot it throughout the just an entire day through the night so that's like quick it was like a fun weekend where we just hang out with your friends uh, and just like kind of joking around and trying to do funny shit and make each other laugh it's a much uh the collaborative process of making a movie like that's way more fun uh and just way less work where did you get the idea to do that? Did that just pop into your head out of nowhere? Specifically, the perfect wife. Um, I think so. I think I was just I couldn't sleep one night, and I was laughing about, about thinking about some woman's head getting slammed in the fridge. Because <laughs> <laughs> originally, it was I wanted to have a woman, but my friend Rob, uh, who's a really awesome director, was like, "You're never, you should not make this. It's like you're going to get canceled." And Facebook, since I'm trying to release my Oculus stuff through Facebook, they're like not gonna, they're gonna like hate me. So I, I I put the masked masked woman masked man woman on there to lighten it a bit, but I think it would have been funny with a woman getting beaten personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I, I I recommend everybody check it out. That caught my attention a while back, and that's how I wound up following you and uh, how the show came into fruition. Thanks. It is a very enjoyable short film. You can check that out on uh, your Vimeo, which I don't know if you got a convenient mm-hmm. link. All my links are. See, I was real stupid back in 2017 when I started doing this. I was like low res Wonderbread on YouTube, and I added the like the umlau in the <laughs> hyperlink. So now oh, it just doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. It's just oh, done fuck. forever. Um, yeah, it's cool though. It, it's it's <laughs> yeah, I guess it's very it makes it very difficult to find anything I'm mm. doing. That's what I've noticed. I mean, you could have done it graphically, but not enter it like that. I know. You know? I'm, it could be. I wasn't thinking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I want to make more movies, though. I love making movies. I'm really excited for you guys' movie, too. Mass oh, State yeah. Lottery. It looks awesome, man. Thank you. We're getting back to work on that in... Uh, what's the date, Hans? We're, like, almost a, less than a month from now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, specific. That's why this week has been so stressful <laughs> and hectic, is planning for that. It's like, oh, wow, we have 10 days. We got a bunch of people flying in, a bunch of money being spent. That fundraiser, uh, you know, really helped us out. Like, we... we the movie would be probably done, but now it's going to be done. And it's going to be really good compared to Fuck yeah. pretty good, which is where it, where it was at previously. So I'm very happy about that. I'm excited to get back to work on that. And then it's just a matter of, all right, let's line up the next thing for, for March now, hopefully the next feature. So that's, that's what yeah, the current probably. game plan is. Um, <laughs> that's when I started watching you guys. Oh, the Mass State Lottery trailer? Yeah, well, I I knew that you. I saw like some of the podcasts or whatever, and I I uh, I, I maybe watched a little bit of it, but then I saw the trailer, and it made me want to watch because I was like, they're actual filmmakers. Like that's so much more interesting. I don't care about non filmmakers' opinions about films at this point, so I was like, these guys are cool. <laughs> I want to watch. And the podcast is great. I like love watching the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I watch it, it all like the time. All, all a lot. Every film podcast is some combination of whatever the standard journalist opinion is or Wikipedia entries being read out loud for so fucking annoying. And I, just breaking down the logic of every film. Like, mm-hmm. why would this character do this? Or I'm like, shut the fuck up. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't um, matter. Uh, what cool. I, 
really get into uh, the habit of doing every so often. Like I'll just go through, um, uh, you know, the iTunes directory, trying to find new podcast episodes, like random shows that I'll probably never listen to otherwise on like uh, Takashi Kitano, who's a Japanese. Oh, yeah, filmmaker. yeah. Yeah, he's, My fave. he's he, yeah, he's great. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Or um, another Japanese filmmaker is Nabiko Obayashi. Oh, yeah. Um, the director of House. He's got so many weird, obscure yeah, yeah. movies that have just not made it to House America. Somewhere yet. around here. It's, yeah, yeah. It's watched... hard to find them. Did he do? No, he. I was thinking of somebody else. I was thinking he did in the realm of the senses, but I, uh, Obayashi did do a Sada Abe story. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But anyway, I digress. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so nobody really talks about these guys. And I'll, I'll stumble upon like a podcast from 2011, and it's just a couple of guys sitting around, and it's literally just, and did you know that Takashi Kitano was in the two beats? And this was a comp, just like all the most boring basic shit. Uh-huh. They're acting like they, wow. they knew it. They did the research. Uh-huh. They found this out. <laughs> and they all sound the exact same. I've listened to oh, several, God. just reiterating that. I hate it. I get caught up watching that shit, and I'm like, that was a waste of fucking time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, I think we've said all we need to say about William Freak, and we're pressed for time tonight. I think we wound up going over a little bit, but I think that was a great episode. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun, guys. Awesome. Uh, so where, where do you want people to follow you? I mean, we should have really done this at the beginning of the show, but uh, where do you we want should. to have people We should get on that, because we always say that, and we completely forget. Just to get <laughs> Every to episode, it's just like, ah, we probably should have mentioned Patreon or something in the first five minutes. And not the <laughs> oh, <first>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think. I need like a website, but now I just have vimeo.com slash Gerlardo is where I put my movies. And then I have my YouTube as well, but don't worry about that. My Vimeo's got everything on there. Yeah, nobody really watches like short films on, on YouTube, it seems like. Yeah, just yeah. A, except my one a... short film. I have a short film that has 11 million hits because it looks like a porn. Oh. Like the, the main screenshot is like a girl going down on a guy and it's just loaded with indians horny as hell. <laughs> that, that kind of uh i i for whatever reason certain things will get ch- chosen by the algorithm and a bunch of people yeah. just believe it's something it's not we have an episode of movies that was on the movie uh brawl and cell block 99 the vince vaughn uh, oh yeah Funk i never saw that. movie very good movie and it was just like the close-up of the back of his head and i think a bunch of people thought it was the movie and clicked it, and it got it got a hundred and twenty eight thousand views or whatever, which is the most of any episode oh, on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> and it has a whole bunch of down votes. Oh fuck! And, and it's just a standard like one hour episode of the show. Uh-huh. And there's no comments or anything. It's just, it's very peculiar. Yeah, that's what happened with mine. It's got like eleven million hits, but like five hundred comments or something like that. And most mm. of them are like, "You are going to hell for this movie." <laughs> like Allah will strike you down, or like sex stuff, like uh, links to some like porn site or something. It's really yeah. funny. That's always great when you get tongue emojis in the comments section. Yeah, Ugh, she's so hot. <laughs> I want to talk to you. Message me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, that's that's H word name on on Twitter and uh, Hansi Kandos on Instagram. You you guys know where to find me. That has been movies. Thank you for listening.